0: happy valentine's day guys if you're at home and that's news to you don't panic it's early act like just keep a smile on your face and then need to go put gas in the snowblower or something later and go sneak out and, and get yourself covered <laughs> oh it's good to good to be with you guys again we are we're going to continue in our, our series, uh, reclaimed. We're talking about our identity in Christ. Uh, Pastor Tory mentioned we are in in the middle of a fast. I, I trust that's been a benefit to you, and you're you're enjoying kind of a, a more intentional, kind of ramped up uh, pursuit of God. Um, I, I know it's it's been good for good for me. I've been enjoying it. Um, we're continuing our our, our this series. Um, we've been looking our kind of framework story or picture in this series has been the, the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to continue in that to, today for, for the beginning to kind of launch us into what we're going to talk about. Um, last week we got uh, we got up until the the first. We said it, that that the father represents God the Father in that story, and how he reclaims his his son is how our heavenly Father is seeking to reclaim our identity um, in, in Him, and and so we up till this point that the son has. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, um, we've talked about the part of the son. You know, asks for his father's inherit his share of the inheritance. He runs off. He spends it. He he runs out of money. He He's you know, destitute, and he realizes that he'd be better off just being a hired servant with his father. And so he, he comes back home, and uh, as he's a long way off, we, last week we talked about how, how the father expressed his love to him, um, how the, the core of our identity has to be wrapped in God's love for us. And, and the, the father in the story shows that by running to him. Not only running to him, but he, he hugs him and he kisses him. So that's, that's where we got to last week. So we're just going to pick the story up at that moment. So the, the, the son has come home. Uh, the father in, in joy and love has, has pursued him, has run out, has grabbed him, has brought him back to the house. Has been kissing on him and, and just hugging him and, and expressing his love in, in any way he can. And and then and then we have uh, the first time we have the son or the son speaks in and in Luke fifteen twenty one we have this recorded and his son said to him father I have sinned against both heaven and you I am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants Notice the father doesn't even acknowledge doesn't even reply to to the son's um statement. He just turns to the servants and he says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. So in the story, we have, we have the son who comes back and when confronted with, with the father's immense love for him, his reaction is what? I'm not worthy of any of this. I, I don't deserve that. I'm not, God, Father, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to be your son again. I'm just, I just need a job. And the, the father's response is to ignore, basically, uh, the son's request and, and to turn to the servants and to call for all of the things that were needed to restore the son's identity, his status, in his standing in the house. See, the, all these things he asked for were, were, would be identifiers, markers of, of his son, finest robes. This was a, a rich guy, and, and what you wore signified what your, your kind of status in, in, in the world was. And so he, he asked for the finest robe. He gives him a, a ring. Now, rings at that time um, were more than just decorative, especially for people of means. It was, it was um, a, a mark of authority. Not just symbolic authority, but actual authority. Um, they would many times they would get um, a, a family design or a crest or some sort of some sort of um, unique design in it, and it was used by the family to send out uh, official communications. They would uh, they would write the they would have a scribe write whatever they wanted to do and they would put wax over the the letter and then they would use their ring to imprint on that wax and it would dry and that was an official seal so that you knew that the letter you were getting was actually from that person it was a sign of authority and of course he he gives them he sends for sandals for his feet because because People of his status, people of status that, that the father was making wanted to make sure the son was identified with what had had shoes. So the son is is met with this, this great love of the father, as we looked at last week, and his response is to feel unworthy of that that this full restoration. But but the father has hasn't is is not, seeing none of it. He reclaims his status. He empowers the son to be his son again. The second part of our reclaimed identity is just that. Last week we talked about the fact that in Christ we are loved. Today we're going to talk about the fact that we are empowered. That when we are in Christ, we are empowered. Say, I'm empowered. That was sort of okay. Let's try it again. I'm empowered. There we go. We are empowered by God in Christ. But, but the question is, empowered for what? This is the question we're going to tackle today. Empowered to, to live a pure life? Empowered to, to overcome temptation and addiction? Maybe prosper in our careers? What about live a life full of, of joy and peace? Are you empowered to, to intercede and see the miraculous happen, see God move and see healings happen, and, and just miraculous breakthrough in, in different things, in different areas? Or how about the ability or the empowered to cast out evil spirits, to push back spiritual darkness? What about leading others into an empowered relationship with Jesus? Surprisingly, the answer is no. Now, don't get your pitchforks out just yet. I will explain. (laughs) We are talking about our identity in Christ, not our abilities in Christ and we get ourselves in trouble if we get these confused. See, we have a tendency to make our abilities make the things that God does through us, we have a tendency to make those things our identity. We all love, you know, Philippians 4:13, right? I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a great verse. But there's a reason that when we put it on t-shirts, we only put the first part. You see, these, uh, these, there's a company line out there that it, it, it just says, I can do all things. And then real small right down here, there's like the reference in the rest of the verse. And I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody that has those shirts. I would wear one proudly if I, if I, if I had one. <laughs> but it does kind of highlight this idea that that we are our tendency is to be a focused on our abilities i can do all things not our identity through christ who strengthens me when we allow our identity what we believe about ourselves the 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 and our value in the world when we allow that to be something other than listen to this communion with god himself then that thing eventually is going to become your God. There's a, a time in, uh, in, in the, the New Testament when Jesus, he's, he's uh, in the middle of his ministry and he sends out 72 of his followers. He breaks them up into pairs and he sends them out into cities and towns all over the place in that area um, to declare the, the good news, to, to, to tell people, um, that the kingdom of God is at hand, and he, and he empowers them when they go. But look at the conversation they have uh, with Jesus when, when he returns, and we find it in, in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. He says, when, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So they had a successful outing. They, they declared the kingdom, they were, they were casting out demons and healing folks, and they come back and they're all jazzed, as we would be if we were in that, that situation, I'm sure. And the first thing they tell Jesus is, God, Jesus, look, we, we did it, we did the stuff. We did what you wanted us to, we, we got, we, we're there. And what's Jesus' response? Look, he says, yes, he told them, I saw f- Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So, Jesus is not surprised because, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, what, that's what my folks do. Um, but, but look at, look at the, the point he really wants to make. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. See, Jesus is trying to show them the hierarchy in the kingdom. That we, who are, are, we need to be tied to our, our relationship with God. That everything else is just a byproduct of learn, leaning into that one thing that being in Christ empowers us to do. And that is, that is knowing Jesus. Jesus. John explains it this way. It's actually Jesus talking, but he records it in, in his gospel. He says in John 15, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. If you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you, remain in or abide in me, depending on your translation, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying that nothing happens apart from an active, ongoing, intimate relationship and connection to Him. How many times a day, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Please don't don't answer them out loud. (laughs) How many times a day do you think about the Lord? How often do you talk with Jesus? How much of your day does does he have your attention? How often, when a when a situation comes up, is your first or second or even third thought, oh, God? What what would you want me to do in this situation? When things with your friends and family happen and, and emotions get stirred up, either good or bad, is, is the, how often are we, do you bring those to God and ask, ask for his help in those situations, during the situation? Not not talking about after you've already made it worse and are trying to fix it. <laughs> I'm saying in the moment. This is, this is what abiding in, in Christ looks like, constant, continual, recurring connection to the Father. And for some of us, this sounds, if we're honest, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> um, and I think there's a, there's a reason for that, and, and we can see it in, the, in kind of our, 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 our main story, Um some of us, even though the Father has received us in love and wants to restore our identity, we insist on living like the hired help. Just like the Son. I am not, I am not worthy of that. I, 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 I can't deal with all that. I, he, he felt so much shame from what he had done. He wasn't He was struggling to receive what the Father wanted to give him. And I wonder how much of us are are living our lives as the hired help. Running out the door in in the rags we showed up with every morning, trying to go do our jobs for Jesus. And God's saying, stop. Stop. Here, put on, put on some proper clothes. Come, sit. It's okay. It's fine. I own time. We have time. Sit. <laughs> Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about your day. I got some great ideas for how, you can, how we can make this thing <laughs> called your life and the world you live in a better place. But we sometimes we are so focused on trying to um, be good and do the right things that we 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 when when we get in that hireling mentality, everything all becomes about function, right? If you work for uh, you know if you work at wherever you work somewhere, and you, you know you have a boss. Your relationship with that boss is purely transactional most of the time, right? It's, it's, you were hired to do X, Y, Z, and the better you do and the more you do X, Y, Z, the, the more compensation you get, maybe a little more FaceTime, maybe some more compliments. But do less of X, Y, Z, and then you will be looking for another place to do X, Y, Z. Right? That's way different than how things function in your family, Right? If you're a father, if you're a mother and you have kids, your your kids, do they have responsibilities? Do they have things that you expect of them? Absolutely. But whether they do those things or not doesn't affect who they are to you. And this is the the transformational shift that we have to have. We have to lay down this idea that I can do what it is that I think God wants me to do. Because he's going, no, you can't. It is above you. All I want you to do is come to me. Abide with me. Let me transfuse you with my spirit. And we'll we'll explain why it has to be this way in just a second. Um, But we we have to make that the sole understanding of what it is that we're doing and that everything else out of life, Everything else we accomplish, everything we put our minds to, comes out of that reality. It all hinges on creating a life, abiding in him for one simple reason. We were created to be image bearers. What does that mean, image bearers? Well, as image bearers, it's pretty self-explanatory. We bear the image of something, right? Now, we were created to bear the image of God. We see that all you go all the way back to the garden. That was, that was why let us make man in our image. That's, that was part of the deal. That was part of the design. But you, would, you notice even in the, in the creation story, there was daily communion. It wasn't like they were, just, they were just built and left and, oh, that's nice, and just sent on their way. The, the original design was for continued communion and connection and abiding in, in God's presence. And see, we are we are image bearers and we were created to bear his image, but we will bear the image of what we behold. We our 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 spirits, our souls, we work a lot like kind of like like your eye does. You ever like um, you know, maybe some of you at home are watching this online, especially if it's like a kind of darker room. If you close your eyes right now, and you've all probably experienced this, you close your eyes after looking at a, a screen. What happens? There's a negative image of that screen just embedded on your eyeball, right? <laughs> you just see this, this flash or you see it when you look at a bright light and you close your eyes, but it, it won't go, you know, it doesn't go away, it just stays there for a while. That image is burnt for a second into your, into your retina. And so you see it whether your eyes are, eyes are open or, or closed. There, there was actually a problem, you know, we all have flat screen TVs now. The the first generation of those were, were plasma TVs, and the reason those didn't actually last that long was because they had a permanence image burn issue, where if you left your TV on a, a stationary picture for too long, that image would actually permanently burn into the screen. So no matter what you watched after that, there'd be this like faint thing of and, you know, we all leave our TVs on. So, so they, they, they had to work around that. They had to move away from that technology. But listen, we are not those plasma TVs. We're like the new kind that have a really high refresh rate. That image stays on us. What we behold, it, it has, it has a, a lasting effect, but it's not permanent. It fades. It goes away. Which is why permanent, continued, regular connection to the Father is the only way that we will continue to bear his image. If you want an increase in your ability to bear Christ's image, you have to spend more time soaking in his image. That's like the, it's just the only way. It's just, it's just the only way. It's like going to Hawaii, right? Like, you just, you have to get on a plane. Like, just, you, that's just the only way to really get there. <laughs> there's some ways, there's some things there's just only one way to do it. Now, trust me, I am, I am the, uh, the king of trying to find another way to do things. Some people call it resourceful. Some people call it lazy, I am passionate about finding the path of least resistance to accomplishing any task. But there are some tasks that just take time. Ever tried to cook a pot roast in like an hour and a half? It's not going to work well. There are some things that just take time. You can't make. You. So last night, we, or Friday night, we had a, an event here. Uh, we got to show love to some girls in the area that, that really just needed a special night out. And uh, you'll hear more about this, this next week, but... Um, we, we put together a special Valentine's uh, banquet for them. And, and Pastor Tori and, and, and uh, Mom put together a, a, a dinner. They cooked the dinner. And it was, it was chicken parm and uh, garlic bread and pasta and all that good stuff. And I was, I was reminded last night, There's again, there, there's some things that only take time. You can't make good sauce in like 20 minutes. It just doesn't happen. There are things that just take time. And reflecting God's presence, being an image bearer, just takes time. It takes recurrence. It takes intentionality. And the more we abide in him, the more we reflect his glory. What's God's glory? It's the revelation. It's the showing out of who he is. Well, who is God? We get a great picture, description of that um, in in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter. And I promise I did not plan on preaching out of 1 Corinthians 13 on on Valentine's weekend. Matter of fact, when I realized that that's what had happened, I I really tried to change it because that just seemed very cliche. Um, But this is where we're at. This is where we are because this is who God is. At his core. And as we reflect him, this is who we become. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sure you're familiar with it, starting in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to laugh about myself. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And if that's what we are reflecting, if that's the abilities that happen imagine what your life would look like imagine a life where that is what is always coming out of you we would have the patience to deny ourselves and say no to sin we'd have the strength to forgive and cast out bitterness in our lives we'd have the faith to ask and see god do the miraculous we are filled we are filled with the qualities that make us the best fathers, the best mothers, the best business people, the best friends that we could possibly be. And as we increase our abiding, as we increase our worship, cuz that's really what abiding is at the end of the day, isn't it? Worship is beholding our creator. It's taking time spending in his presence. It's breathing in the scripture. As we, as we do this, we read in John fifteen, as we do this, the more we do this, the more fruit we begin to bear. We don't just we don't do more, we bear more. but our tendency is is to, to, to skip the abiding and go straight to the bearing. And when we do that, what you end up is bear in. That's just, just the way it is. And so we can kind of invert that, and you can invert that and look at your life. And go back through this, this uh, 1 Corinthians 13 right now and take stock of your life and, and look at that and say, is this, is this the life? Is this what I am reflecting? Am I reflecting love? Am I, reflecting, um, am I not irritable? Am I, am I you know, kind and all these things? And if you're not, I can tell you that the answer isn't that you need to want to do those more. I can tell you that the answer may not even need to be that you need to love God more. The answer is you need to spend more time with God. Because transformation is an active we are ref, we are image bearers we are reflectors. We're not producers. We're the moon. We're not the sun. And the only way for a, for a reflector to increase its output is to move closer to the source of the energy, right? If I have a, if I have a flashlight and I have a, a mirror and, I'm, and I want more, more light over there and I'm holding them like this and I want to focus it and I need more power, I need to close the distance between these two things. This is how we become more like Jesus. We just spend more time with Him. And you know what? That is great news because spending time with Jesus is fun. Thank you. (laughs) It is fun. It is fulfilling. Now, it's not always just, you know, lost in the glory. You know, sometimes it's just, you're just up reading Leviticus, right? I mean, just... Anybody who's been a, a follower of Jesus and a, and a Bible reader for any amount of time, let's just be honest, we've all skipped some chapters, right? It's just like, oh, I don't have time for these names today. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> it's not always like that, but over time, oh, if that becomes our life, our life becomes so much more filling. And I don't, know if, I don't know about you, but for me, this is, a, this is um, a relief because now I only have one thing to keep track of, right? I don't have to have 17 matrix about all of my different behaviors and all of my different things I want to do for God. I just have one thing I need to focus on. How's, how's my closeness with him? What's my life look like? How have I, how have I shaped my life to abide in Jesus, Worship team, if you want to come on back up. We're going to finish here in just a minute. That's what the, this fast has kind of been all about. I, I, it's funny, I've talked to a few people that have been doing the, the, the fastest time. <laughs> I've gotten a couple of, couple of responses where uh, it, it's, the, the overriding theme is that it's different. I don't know if you've done the, the devotionals at all. They're a little, they're a little different. Why? Because they're design, they, we are making them, we're trying to design them to put more on you. They are focused on you talking to God instead of somebody else talking to God and telling you what God said. Because that's what God wants from you. He wants to speak. He wants to hear. He wants to connect with you. So how do we do this? How do we increase our abiding in Christ? It's got a couple of three three tips. This is not these are not a formula because we're talking about a relationship between a complicated human being and the creator of the universe. That's not a formula. That's not a simple process and your relationship with him is going to look different than mine. But there are a couple of things that I would just say as we, and we're going to, in just a minute I'm going to give us an opportunity before we end our time together to just abide a little bit more. But a couple of things to be considering if you, if you really want to abide in, in Jesus more. First one is be a hockey player, not a soccer player. And Sounds a little weird. That's just the the picture I got when I was praying about this. If you've ever watched a hockey game, it doesn't matter what happens to a hockey player. As long as their body parts are still attached to them, and even then can just be like tangentially attached, they will continue to try and play stitches, missing teeth, whatever. There is nothing that will stop them other than somebody physically pulling them off the ice from completing their game. Now, soccer players, on the other hand, and apologies if you're a soccer fan, but there there is an entire skill in soccer built around pretending somebody tripped you. And you flip and you flail and you fall to try and get the ref to make a call to give you some advantage. And sometimes in our spiritual lives, I feel like we are soccer players. We're confronted with something and the second that that, that temptation hits, we're just, oh, I can't do it. So some of it's just a, a mental, we just have, you just have to make a decision that this thing is going to kill me or I'm going to do it, one or the other, and throw ourselves into this process. Number two is we need to develop a plan, and listen, a plan that seems a bit extreme, Imagine a, a, a day, a week, a, a month, a year that was centered around God's presence. What would that look like for you? What would you need to put in your life so that by the t- from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, there's not one, there's not two, there's not three, but there's, there is a host of times where you were, you were aware of God's presence and you were praying and connecting to him and you were reading scripture. a series of touch points throughout the day throughout the, the week the month just like you schedule vacations you should have things on your calendar annually where you are this day is, is, is God's the plan can include all the different ways that we can connect with God you know it's not it's not just sitting down and reading the bible in a year It's prayer. It's talking with them. Some of us connect with God. Some people connect more in, in, in just music and worship. Some connect just by being out in nature. Some connect through talking about it. You know, if you're a verbal processor, you need to build parts of your day in where you're talking about the Lord with somebody else. So what would that look like to develop a plan of developing a plan that you don't think you could accomplish? It's too much. But here's the and here's number 3. Begin where you are. So don't so you create this thing that like man, I don't know if I could ever get there. But then you set that sound and you come back to where you are and you get honest and you say, "Okay, here's where I am. What can I do this week? What's one part of that plan I can add this week?" And you bring that, that element into your life. And then maybe next week or the week after, after that feels uh, accomplishable, you add the next phase. And then the next. And then the next. So you are, you are constantly now growing towards a goal. You're not there yet, but you're not, you're not expecting that for you. Because a lot of times we do that. I know I do that. You come up with this great grand plan. It's amazing. And then by day two, you're like, Video game, they call it Rage Quit, where you're just so frustrated with failure, you just give up. Give yourself permission to to grow in your relationship, to grow in your abiding. And and if we will do that, you will find yourself starting to, to look forward to, starting to find joy in increasing your relationship with Jesus. And that's what transformation's all about. That's what discipleship's all about. That's what being in Christ is all about. And when we live this life and all of those other things become a reflection, we really start to identify as the sons and daughters we are, not the hired hands that we deserve. That's the homework for the week. If you're participating in the devotional guides this week, we're going to be looking at doing some of this stuff. There will be some exercises in there to help you kind of start thinking about how this could look in a daily, day-in, day-out situation. Some suggestions, ideas, tips of, of ways we can implement um, some of these things. And we're going to, you're going to go through and you're going to uh, take actually First Corinthians 13, that chapter, and we're going to meditate on it this week and break it down and, and breathe it in. But if you want to stand with me, uh, we're going to, we just, we just want to end with a few moments of just planning is important, but we're here and God's here. So let's just why not just take advantage of a few moments we have and, 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 and worship him and abide in his presence before, before we go out for the week. So if we would, just, just raise your hearts and, and, and spend a few moments just abiding in the Lord.